like a very common misperception is that, oh, Labidoo shopping is like an event thing. But where you see the greatest potential is when you use this as an amplifier. Hey there, and welcome to Up Next in Commerce, your number one podcast for e-commerce insights from some of the biggest names and fastest growing startups in the industry. I'm Stephanie Postles, your host and CEO of Mission.org. You might have heard that in Asia, live streaming is a big part of the shopping experience. So why has live video shopping not yet made its way west? Well, it has in some respects, but there's clearly so much more companies can be doing with this tool. Bamboozer is helping e-commerce brands realize the full potential of this technology. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, I spoke to Sophie Abrahamson about what live video shopping looks like now and how it will evolve in the future. Enjoy today's episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning at business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. I see that you've been working in e-com since I think 2009 or earlier. I was like, wow. Yeah, it's been a while. It's an OG. (laughs) So I want to hear... How were you first interested in retail and e-commerce? Like, what drew that out of you? So I went to university in Florence, Italy. And I think what I was interested in basically left me two options. Tourism, food, you know, uh, hospitality or fashion. And I went for fashion because that's aligned with what I liked. And my first opportunity was in a small shoe shop where they ran an e-com. And that's sort of the first contact with e-commerce. And then I was hooked. I just think it's really, really sort of tying together so many different things. So from that little shoe shop where I ran everything 360, I just continued on the path of e-commerce. Yeah, and you've worked at some cool brands. I think I saw H&M was one of them, which of course I'm like, love H&M. What are some other places that you worked and what did your role look like? So I started out within high fashion or luxury fashion Italy, a multi-brand store called Luisa Via Roma. That's a very sort of edgy, highly curated uh, plus 800 luxury brand store. And then I went over to Another Stories, uh, which I hope you're familiar with. That's a brand part of the H&M family. And then I went over to H&M before landing at Bamboozer. Amazing. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know what Bamboozer is, can you give a high-level overview? We are on this mission to sort of transform e-commerce and, and, and retail. And we are a B2B provider of live video shopping. So we are that tech partner that enables you to run live video shopping shows on your platforms and on your e-commerce sites, a white label solution, B2B. Amazing. And why were you excited about Bamboozer? Like what brought you to them? I would say, you know, having been in e-commerce and retail and marketing for more than a decade, when I stumbled across this, and this was prior to COVID, this was in 2019, 
I just saw sort of three tense trends converging into live commerce. So if I looked at the internet, there had been this evolution from, you know, text, text to image, image to video. Then I looked at marketing where I'd spent a decade and we've had this, you know, the glossy magazines or the television ads going over to, uh, you know, social media and influencers searching this authenticity. And then as soon as they became too polished, went over to, you know, their, uh, their stories, their Snapchat. And this just kind of followed like the, the search for authenticity. And then lastly, you know, e-commerce. E-commerce for a very long time has been pretty stable. It's been this static HTML page with, you know, some information, pictures and a buy button. And sort of mixing all these things together, I was like, this will happen. It's not a question of if, it's more like when we will take this leap into something that meets sort of the internet behavior, the consumer need, and the actual sort of next generation of e-commerce. So I went into this just feeling I want to be part of this when it starts. I want to be driving and leading this change because it's such a revolutionary thing. And that's what made me jump from retail over to tech. Got it. And so were you seeing Bamboozer doing something that was maybe different than what other live streaming platforms were doing? Because I feel like we've been hearing about, you know, live shopping for, I mean, a couple of years now, but it seems like a lot of companies have been kind of missing the mark on actually building something that is attractive to, you know, people in the States or just like outside of China, essentially. And so what did you see in Bamboozer where you're like, oh, this can be more mainstream and actually a great way for every brand to interact with live shopping? Well, I think like take you back to 2019, this was prior to COVID. It was a lot of live streaming going on in, in China and Asia, but there weren't really any vendor or any tech platform that had literally focused on, we call it the Western world. So like, you know, US and Europe, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think me coming from e-commerce, our CEO having an extensive background from publishing, and we both sort of knew the landscape. What we saw early on was a way of packaging this and sort of ears to the ground listening retail, like what is retail asking for to feel confident doing this on their terms. Mm -hmm. Now it's easy. You know, there are a lot of live streaming companies, but we were the first ones that sort of focused and targeted, like how can we bring this to Western retailers listening into what they need to feel, you know, safe on brand uh, and sort of optimized because it's a completely different uh, ecosystem. It's a completely different user behavior, right? Between how we uh, live and breathe e-commerce and even the internet in this part of the world compared to China. I can imagine that these brands were definitely nervous about, you know, having these single influencers, like you said, not being on brand or not doing things the way they normally do things. Those feel typical. Were there any surprising things that the retailers were maybe nervous about or reasons on why they didn't want to pursue this that you were like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, we can solve that quickly, but I didn't know that was a problem here. I can tell you a fun story. So uh, one of the first customers, I remember they had signed the contract. They had sort of prepared everything in studio, people in front of the camera, and they just had to stage fright, like going live, live. So I went down there with some people from our tech team and we had an entire workshop, like what can go wrong? What, what's the fear here? Just sort of understand where this stage fright or this sort of scare came from, which ended up becoming a little sort of checklist and a few guidelines, and which over time became our entire customer success and account management team. So we realized pretty early on, like, yes, we're a soft solution. We're selling tech, but there are so many aspects. We're also moving brands from e-commerce. They made the move over to social media, which back in the days was a big challenge. And now we're taking them the next step, which is live and video. So we need to handhold them and sort of help them. But I think, you know, at this time, most brands realize they need to find a way that you know, live video shopping transfers and, and sort of um, relates to their brands. 
Mm-hmm. So I want to hear some success stories now about, you don't have to say the brand's names if you don't want to, but maybe just, <laughs> you know, if I'm a brand thinking about this, you know, what it, what does success look like? What can I expect out of this? What's the process like? So I would say we always suggest to brands to go back to the target audience. So how can I add value by using live video shopping instead of just offering a static HTML e-commerce or just your classical store? And how can I bridge the two? So I'd say the ones that are seeing the highest ROI and success are, they have a proper strategy. They sit down, they give an overview and realize this is how I can tap into a lot of potential. Success stories can be anything from a really small brand nailing a really good show and making hundreds of thousands of dollars in one show. But it can also be another brand realizing that they have untapped potential in in-house experts, dermatologists, uh, store staff, where they can optimize everything from minority language to super niche skills and add that value to customers. Yeah. What are maybe some of your favorite experiences that you're seeing brands experiment with popping up right now? I think it's fun to explore everything with virtual and augmented reality, which we're starting to have a couple of examples of. You know, all of a sudden with a great studio setting, you can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. We also pretty early on launched the possibility to live stream from two different locations. We call it, you know, split screen or dual hosting. So having, especially in times where you shouldn't not always travel or be sitting next to each other, you can have someone dialing in from a different state, from a different city. You can have someone from your design studio and someone from like fashion week. That's cool. I think we've seen really nice activations for red carpets and events, you know, where you see sort of outdoor advertising, meeting the online world, like you're bridging this thing, having maybe an event in a store. You can't have that many people in the store, but from the outside, you can see the stream going on. You can QR code yourself into the stream. So anyone passing by, like notices an event, gets into the show and all of of a sudden they can interact. I think key to the really cool activations right now is like think outside of the box. You can literally do anything with video. Okay, so now I want to hear your perspective then on the metaverse. I'm just imagining walking around and seeing an event popping up, being like, oh, I want to pop in and be a part of it and, you know, hop up on the stage or whatever it might be. Where are you seeing the future of live shopping within that atmosphere? You know, we're just kind of an additional layer onto any shopping experience, right? We're literally just adding the interactivity and the, the add to cart on any layer. I think if you look at the metaverse, it'd probably be a lot about communities. You know, this community in this virtual or augmented reality, having a shopping layer, like in live video shopping, it's completely doable. And I will tease you and say there will be shortly coming really cool things. You know, we have a few things under the surface here. It's just part of what we're looking at because we are an interactive layer on shopping. If that is shopping going on in a physical store, in a virtual reality, in augmented reality, in a couple of months or years out in an actual metaverse, I'm pretty sure we'll be there. And the one thing I've kind of struggled with thinking about is around how brands are approaching like virtual stores. And I've seen a couple examples sometimes, and I'm not so sure. I think it's the best idea to like just recreate their stores. So it's like you just walk into a store. And I'm like, I think if people want to go into that world, they're okay with having a completely new experience and you still keep it on brand. But I'm like, I don't know if I would just want to walk into a store and just look around and be like, oh, there's a purse or there's this. Like, I feel like I'm actually okay with it being more virtualized and very different than a normal shopping experience. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about things like that? I would say that what we have seen over the last like 12 months when most retailers kind of, you know, settle into the new reality and the new normal is that there's a really big demand for people to have some sort of human connection, you know, that actual dialogue. 
So a lot of stores are even installing areas within physical stores where they can meet customers online or in virtual environments. So I think what we will see going forward is like this bridging, the actual bridging the gap between online and offline. So it might be that you have someone with a niche competence sitting in one city, then you can, you know, live streaming and live video shopping with someone in a completely different area because they, you know, we can map them for anything from language to competence. And I also think it will bridge the whole experience in, you know, what can you do in a store and how can you bring that into a live video shopping? We're just scratching the surface. It's, it's just so exciting where we're heading. You know, we're talking to everything from property owners. We're doing things with, you know, shopping malls. We're looking into how online retailers are creating virtual sort of stores and bringing live video shopping into those stores. So it's, you know, I'd like to talk to you in a year from now and let you know, see where we landed because so much is going on. I know. I like the idea of bridging and getting people into a different space. So I think that's important where it does have a piece of familiarity where you're like, oh, this kind of feels familiar, like talking to the person, letting someone guide me around to then also be okay with maybe a whole brand new way of thinking and shopping and interacting. Yeah, an interesting way to put it. And I think from like an e-commerce, being like e-commerce specific, I think what we have been struggling with for the last 10 years is if you're high average order value e-commerce, you want a short-term conversion funnel, right? You have very long conversion funnels. If you're a low average order value e-commerce, you want to increase cart value. And all those trips and tricks that we have done on static e-commerce for the last decade, we kind of know them right now. Who looks at this also like this? Or that you're trying to, you know, retarget people for shortening conversion. In a live stream, this kind of happens in an organic, natural way. So if you have expensive, more tricky, complex purchases, all of a sudden in a live stream, you get all the information you need. You kind of give them this confidence to, to purchase. So you shorten it. And on the other hand, if you're low average of order values and you're presenting in a very dynamic, organic way, different things, then people will by default add them to cart because they see them in a, you know, in a natural context. So I think we're actually meeting and solving to real e-commerce challenges just by the technology itself. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I want to hear a bit about engagement then and metrics. What do you and your team look at, especially if a brand's coming to you and they're like, what's good? What I mean, it's, it's a, such a different world. And like you said, you can't always just rely on the old metrics, maybe when you're coming into this space. So maybe what would you be looking at today as a brand as you implement this? What are you seeing behind the scenes around your audience engaging with the products and all of that? So we can basically, both retime and sort of live versus recorded versions, see a lot of parameters. Everything from when people enter a show to how long they stay, when they start sending likes, what they're chatting about, when they add something to cart. And I think a few parameters we pay a lot of attention to is, of course, the average viewing time. You know, online, in this digital world overall, like attention span is really short. Currently, we have roughly um, an average viewing time, depending a bit about, you know, segment between nine to 15 minutes. Wow. You know, if you tell any e-commerce manager that you can keep someone on your website in complete sort of, you know, attention for nine to 15 minutes, it's magic, right? That's wild. Yeah. That's a really cool metric. The second end is usually, you know, the engagement we see. So in average, of course, you know, that can fluctuate between segments as well. But let's say that ballpark 20 to 25% of all the viewers are sending likes, like they are interacting. They are actually being, they're part of the show. And we know that once you start sending likes, you're more likely to purchase and to ask questions. And, you know, once you start chatting, the more likely you are to add to cart and to complete a purchase. Then the actual sort of add to cart rate and conversion, that depends on everything from how relevant 
what you're broadcasting is to that specific target audience to if you're having promotions or like the ease of checkout. Even there, it's a ballpark within 10 to 20% of, uh, of conversion. And it's an immense conversion machine. It's a really great e-commerce amplifier. A lot of people tend to believe like a very common misperception is that, oh, live video shopping, it's like an event thing. But where you see the greatest potential is when you use this as an amplifier. Imagine all the content, all the things on your website, if you can make them interactive and engaging, and you know that you start doing shows and you keep people for 10 minutes. So all of a sudden, kind of incorporating and having a strategy where you look into your marketing calendar, you realize all kind of added values you can give with video, not necessarily always live, it can be live and recorded. That's when you get the true leverage of live video shopping and all these parameters, you know, just skyrocket. So when you think about like how often, you know, a company should maybe think about doing this, you have the recorded ones that are already out there and then live ones. I mean, what do you think is working well right now? Because I definitely also had it in my mind of, you know, this event, you have a big wait list of people who can come on, you get them excited. It's a one-time thing, especially some of the bigger brands I've seen doing this. It's like a big thing. And then you don't really hear about it afterwards. And they don't actually have it as like a part of their consistent marketing strategy. So how often do you think companies should be doing this? So we usually uh, sit down and sort of help guide them. Because when you get started with something new, it takes some time, right? You need to be consistent. You need to believe in it. Not your first Facebook or Instagram post were the ones that got the million likes, right? So it's about figuring out where you add value and where you're relevant. But I think what we usually say is that have this both, we call it like event strategy, where you might have monthly, weekly, or you know quarterly events, you drive bus, you add like you know event budgets, PR, and then you have this sort of daily or weekly, like how do I create content with a longer shelf life? So imagine you're, uh, you're having a apparel online store. There might be things that are like, oh, collection drop or you know friends and family offers. But then you have all these things about fitting, you know, sizing guides or how to take care of different materials, you know, how to go from spring to summer, from summer to winter. We had awesome uh, examples of like how to choose the right bra size or what's like the denim and jeans model that fits, you know, your, your shape. So thinking both event, but then sort of over time, how do I create value? The shows that you do that are catering to a kind of evergreen need from a consumer, they can live on your website for for months and they will continue to generate sales because they are relevant. So we usually say, figure out one way of doing when there's event, when there's a bus, when there's something you really want to push, because it's a great way of, you know, getting momentum and interaction and then fall back on your marketing and commercial calendar and say, where in all these, you know, weeks and months can I add something? Where can I make it interactive? Where can I make it more engaging? Putting interactive and shoppable video at the heart of the retail experience, that's when, you know, you switch on the true magic. Mm -hmm. Will there be a point that you think a user is kind of like, okay, that's too much video because I'm just thinking about, okay, get on a website and then everything, the sizing guide, the sizes, the material, like everything turns into a video where then I'm like, oh, now it's too much video. I actually just want to look at text. You think there'll be a point where it's like flips again? To be honest, I think we've been very good at accepting that things have been very static on e-commerce sites. You know, when we started getting used to YouTube and Instagram and Snap and, you know, all these very motion-driven mediums and apps, I think we've been very good at accepting that. You go from something that's video and you end up somewhere very static. I think 
it's just, and, and we're getting there. We're getting used to it. Uh, we know we consume and live internet in a completely different way compared to 10 years ago. So no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think we're, we're heading in that interactive way. Yeah. I can see it definitely being easy to get stuck in the norm and being like, oh, that's what I'm used to. And after you get past that, that little hump though, then everyone's kind of like used to the new way of doing things yeah. and there'll be a new way of doing things. So I can see that. What about when it comes to who should actually be the people doing the live shopping, especially if I'm, you know, a smaller, medium-sized brand and maybe I don't have like, you know, huge budgets to hire a bunch of people to be in one-year contracts and crank out this consistent content. Like, how would you advise them to think about, you know, who should actually be the one leading these? Should it always be the same person just in like the setup days? I think coming back to like with all communication marketing, knowing your target audience, we usually sort of help brands and retailers go back and say, so am I after conversion or engagement? Because that might tweak you in either direction. Am I after adding value to existing customer base or to grab new customers? And then am I want to work with more inspirational content? Imagine, you know, events or influencers or, you know, celebrities or VIPs where I'm kind of speaking a lot about the inspirational part and then adding products? Or do I cater to users that want more education and sort of information? So are we going for the expert track or the inspirational influencer track? I think once you nail that as a, as a brand, you might say, you know what, our customer base, we have examples over here in Europe where certain brands in consumer electronics or in more complex interior design cases, or even, you know, luxury skincare. You want to have the dermatologist explain to you how your skin, what should be your skin regimen. That's how you would really enjoy a live show. Then you might have a different skin brand and they want to have that celebrity giving you all excited about maybe their co-branded makeup line. So I think coming back to who's your target audience. And in that case, we see a 50-50. Is it an expert where information and education is key or is it something more engaging and fun and inspirational? And sometimes it's both. It's just a matter of like, understanding your marketing calendar and your, and your target audience. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext and Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. I wonder if it'll get to a place where, I mean, it reminds me of like when people started out with influencers, it was like, you know, the big influencers and you can only have like one or two and then it kind of got distributed. And I mean, a lot of companies who have come on here just kind of like, yeah, I hand out the products or whatever it might be to these micro influencers and kind of let them do what they want and see how it pays off as long as they're within our target audience. And so I wonder if they will get to a place where brands are kind of okay with letting many people come in, do the live shopping. It might not be really like always on brand, but maybe 90% of the time it is and kind of like letting more people try it out. Yeah, I think it's like with all new mediums, like if you're working with voice, if you're working with social media, coming back to who are we as a brand when we are live, right? What's the tone of voice? What's the way, how do we handle in you know unexpected events? Who are we when we interview, when we invite the audience? But also I think we will see the rise of a new generation of influencers, probably the bravest generation so far. You know, we've had uh, the bloggers that were really good at writing, had these really gorgeous pictures. Then we went over to, you know, Instagram, and that was a slightly different 
tweak of the influencer or if you look at YouTubers and TikTokers, you know, there are different, what works on YouTube doesn't necessarily work on Instagram. And I think what works on YouTube, TikTok and Instagram doesn't necessarily translate into live video shopping. So we'll probably be a new generation of very brave influencers that are able to like in real time interact with consumers. Yeah. I mean, how do you think about that interactivity? Because I think about a lot of, you know, live platforms that have popped up over the past couple of years and I didn't really see any of them do it well. And like, I'm thinking about like Clubhouse where it's like, oh, I'm going to choose a couple of people to come up on stage. Sometimes it'll always be the same ones. And it didn't really feel as interactive as maybe people wanted when they signed up for the platform thinking like, I'm going to be able to hop in these rooms and talk to each other. And so how do you think that should work when it comes to keeping, you know, people engaged and coming back and wanting to actually come to these shopping events to feel like, you know, they can actually ask questions and yeah, get what they want out of it? You know, I think it has to do with when retailers and brands realize who they have on the other end, you know, we're looking at a very vote generation. We know that the younger consumers vote with their wallets. They know it makes a difference where they place their money. So I think they are looking for a very authentic and transparent relationship. Hence, a live video shopping where you can ask questions and get answers in real time will make a difference. Then, of course, not all brands will be comfortable in that sense. But the brands that dare to face that challenge, I think they will get a great return and a great reward. I remember when influencer marketing started, like when influencers came in, the luxury brands were very reluctant to having non-models portraying their brands or having people style themselves and mix them with other brands, which was you know way out of their comfort zone. And now it's the luxury brands themselves that are like fueling influencers more than anyone else. I think we'll see kind of the same evolution uh, with live video shopping. Yes, right now it's new. You need to find your own sort of way of being, but give it a couple of, of years and this will be what everyone is doing. And we will probably have found different ways of interacting with consumers because there's really no turning back there. I don't think there will be any consumer online that will buy without being informed, without feeling that there's a transparent brand on the other side. Everything from inclusion to diversity to environmental concern and being you know, cautious and conscious, I think you know, brands will have to face that. Brands that will thrive in today's retail landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I think also there's such an opportunity around building a community of you know, the people who come to watch. How do you also engage them together? Because that could turn into a mini Reddit where they're just answering each other's questions. And they're like, oh, I already have that yeah. palette or, oh, I have that shirt. And they could start doing the work for you. And then, you know, building a community that maybe you couldn't get anywhere else, really. And we see that where we are in niche communities, that's where we see great engagement and great conversion. It can be anything from, I don't know, a question wearing horses, right? Which is a very niche community to a specific sport. And I think there's a way for a lot of retailers to even take more positions, grab more land and go, we're just going to be a community destination because within the platform of live, there's so many things you can do. And of course, yes, you can promote products, but you can also be sort of this, this, this community aggregator where on this live platform, you know, consumers or customers or fans, whatever you want to call them, can interact with each other. We can have inspirational, educational sessions. And yes, of course, things can, you know, be shoppable too, but like go beyond like simply doing live shopping to sell and just like build communities because there's nothing better than, you know, interactivity when you're building communities online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's really exciting to hear about. And I'm already thinking of so many different use cases for it, even outside of retail. So really, really cool to hear about. I want to hear some of your trends and predictions over the coming years around, it can be live shopping, it can be e-commerce, 
And especially if it's any bit contrarian where you're like, I've said this a few times and people just don't agree with me on it. And I still believe it. Do you have anything that comes to mind around big trends that are going to come up here in the next couple of years? Well, one thing I think we're already starting to see is that we're finally, after 10 years of speaking about omnichannel, we are finally blending everything, right? Now we've tried it. For the actual consumer, it's not a difference between the branded store and the branded site. Like for the online, the e-commerce, it's the same thing. If you have different warehouses and different systems, for the end consumer, it makes no difference. Now, you know, maybe due to the pandemic, we have realized we need to merge these things. And from our perspective, where we sort of see that interactive video is, is the core, like that's where you meet the consumer. We believe in this, we call it full loop. So you have the one-to-many, but we also have a product suite of the one-to-few. So maybe a call, imagine like a hangout with two-way videos with a limited group of people doing this same sort of shopping experience down to the one-to-one, where it's one person speaking to, let's say, an expert or a sales rep. So we just believe that all these different touch points on your e-commerce and within, you know, retail will come down to having one-to-many, one-to-few and one-to-one, and then bridging it. We are already seeing how a lot of retailers that have physical stores are building physical spaces to have both one-to-many and one-to-one calls in their stores. So like we're bridging it. We know that you can optimize periods in a store when you have low foot traffic, low footfall, then you can have them go online. Uh, You might have someone that speaks a minority language. All of a sudden they can broadcast to unlimited people speaking, let's say, Russian in, in, in the US or Chinese or Spanish, instead of having them stand in a store and wait for someone to come in to have that language uh, request. So I think that's one thing. On the other end, of course, everything that is virtual and augmented reality, like we're, we're heading in that direction. And as I said, we're just this interactive layer. We've seen very interesting virtual reality productions. We're having a loads of more of those things coming through our platform, but also how we can connect to all these augmented reality experiences and how we can sort of build them into what a live shopping show is. We're going video. We're going interactive. We know that the consumers, that's how you and me are interacting right now. That's how you're, you're, you're FaceTiming. We're watching videos. We're, we're YouTube, you know, YouTube Googling, uh, to use that term. So everything is video. So of course, that's how we're going to shop. Yep. I love that. Those are two good ones. I mean, even when thinking about the retail piece in the beginning, there's like a whole new way of thinking around justifying the ROI of a retail location. It's like, you all of a sudden, the one to three year contract or whatever it might be is not so scary when you're like, well, I know I can at least, you know, make this much, even if the foot traffic's not that high by having one person here doing live shopping when there's not anyone here or optimizing in off hours too. And it's like, okay, we close at nine and come in after. Or just imagine running an event, you know, a lot of European cities or European countries and American states, you have like one big city where people tend to be able to be invited to events all of a sudden live stream them and invite all your, you know, your entire customer base. Like you have the physical event in your flagship in this big city, but all your customers or loyalty, you know, customers can join through a live stream. You're bringing your community together. I like the word of community because I think the heart of a community is interaction, right? And that's what you get in video in such an increased way compared to any other way of interacting online. Might be kind of a, uh, a nerdy question, but how are you guys handling when it comes to like streaming and video processing? I've seen very interesting projects popping up around like decentralizing video processing and you're essentially allowing, you know, your computer to be used for video processing and it's happening real time. And so I see this popping up and I'm like, oh, it must be becoming a problem if, you know, blockchain and other crypto is trying to like solve this. But you're a video company, so I can ask you. So how are you guys thinking about this? 
I wish it was part of the, you know, the core tech team, but our company was founded way back in 2007 as a mobile streaming company. And if you're mad, you know, go back to 2007, you're the first version of the iPhone. Like it's, it's the early days of the smartphone and the internet. And what we have done over more than a decade, and we, have, we still have the same core tech team, is that we have optimized for mobile devices, which is, well, depending on like your network, but you're broadcasting from one device on one network into a platform, and then you're recasting that onto unlimited devices. Sometimes it's 3G, sometimes it's 4G or it's 5G or Wi-Fi. And it kind of all comes down to how do we package the data, the video streaming to data so it can be transmitted quickly to the platform and then redistributed in the highest quality possible. And that's what we've been fine-tuning. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm so secure when I speak about my technology to customers because we started out as a live streaming company and it's our proprietary streaming technology. Then, of course, when it comes to hosting, we have decentralized, so, you know, we can host and transfer data just within North America, just within, you know, Europe or just within APAC, because that's why a lot of, you know, there are a lot of compliance and, and law requirements for that. But from a streaming perspective, that's where we were born as a streaming company. Yeah. You're like, we got this. We've been here for a while. Yeah. That's great. So what are you personally most excited about this next year? Like what is your biggest project or something that you're most excited about for this year? I think that if I go back to when we started out in 2019 and people were a bit skeptic and like, yeah, this is cool, but you know, e-commerce works and it feels a bit too, um, too non-European or non-American and see how far we come in two years, two and a half years, going from a very small company to a big company, having among the both coolest and largest, most important brands. I just can't wait to see where we are in another two years. You know, we've been from having just one product, which was the one-to-many, to having the one-to-many, the one-to-one, and now launching the one-to-few, going global. We're live in more than 190 countries. We have plus 50, you know, interface languages for, for the end consumer. It's just the scale of everything. Like we're seeing how stores are building these, you know, studios for the, the store staff. We see how really cool online destinations are placing live video shopping at the core of their retail strategy. Like we're in the middle of a movement. And I really, if I look back at how far we come in two years, I just want to see where we are in another two years. Yeah, it's amazing. Super exciting. All right, let's move over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Sophie? Cool, let's go. All right, what is the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? I would say know your customer. Having that in mind, bit of a cliche, but I think we often uh, forget about it and we think we have the best product, the best idea, the coolest, you know, uh, project and vision, but ears to the ground and listen to the customer because that will guide you. What's a time in your life where you've made a risky bet or decision and you weren't sure if it was going to pay off and it can be personal or work, whatever, wherever you want to take it? I would say when I left H&M and moved over to a, a small startup within live streaming, way ahead of the pandemic. And uh, we hadn't went public with the idea of going towards retail and pivoting to live video shopping. It was a big bet uh, in my career, but it paid off big time because I went for something that I passionately believed in. And I went to work for uh, a team and a CEO that I really, you know, I was inspired by. Mm -hmm. That's great. And very important, yeah, to be inspired by the team that you're working for. It's good. Yeah. If you were to have a podcast, what would it be about and who would your first guest be? Um, I would probably do podcasts about food. Okay. That's one of my, my core interests. Yeah. Who would that be about? Um, 
I'd like to bring people that aren't within the food and gastronomy and see what, you know, what their take is on food. Mm -hmm. Maybe like Elon Musk, you're going to go to Mars, you know, Uh think about anything. uh, What happens? Like, what what do you eat? What's your favorite dish? Yeah, that could be fun. All right. And the last piece, when you're at a company like yours, it's scaling up really quick. You're hiring a lot of people. What is one thing you stop and remind yourself of every so often? Where we started. You know, sometimes you move so quick, it goes so fast. But I think it's it's good to always go back and say, remember when I started and a very small team did everything. So once you start having more staff and delegate, remember that, okay, you know, being humble and remember where we started. Love that. All right. That's a good note to end on. Sophie, thank you so much for hopping on here and joining me today. Where can people learn more about Bamboozer? At bamboozer.com. And our recently launched Bambooster Academy, where you can learn more specifically about how to optimize with live video shopping. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.